Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagada at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'm Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagada. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Lindsey? Good. Uh, I'm laughing a little bit because you can kind of see my Christmas tree in the background. And uh, Mike says he still has his up. And he normally, you said your mom said what? My mom says I uh, just get it down by Martin Luther King Day, which is Monday. I don't yeah, have much time. I'm definitely not taking mine down by Monday. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and honestly, I don't have it plugged in right now. But when it's plugged in and you have like not all your lights on, maybe some hallway lights. I think it looks awesome. So I might just keep it up year round. Yeah, buy uh, red lights for this for this month, you know, Valentine's Day tree, <laughs> then green for next month. Green lights on a green tree, that might be stupid, but do it anyway for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, <laughs> just make know, it, you know, it's, it's the holiday tree. It's not a Christmas tree. It's kind of funny because someone said last year, uh, I think it was like the first weekend or maybe the second weekend of January where they pretty much just said, it feels like Cincinnati doesn't have a winner winter because they're playing in the playoffs and you kind of totally forget that it's cold right now because you're spending about a month and a half on playoff playoff talk new games and you're just like okay it's almost spring and that's how I'm treating it I still remember I posted a picture of me with a a glass of champagne after the Bengals finally won a playoff game and one of the replies was take your Christmas (laughs) it was a wreath take your wreath down it's January and I was like oh okay (laughs) Whatever, whatever. That's rude. 
having fun live. right now. We're having fun right now because we've talked about it plenty, but there was some you can't take it down. The Bengals are winning. <laughs> the Bengals are winning. I'm not taking this down. Uh, but, you know, we had those struggles early on when they were 0-2. They're 12-4 and now. And I know that I want to say Von Bell says it doesn't matter. That's just the ticket you punch in. Everybody has the same record. And he's right. But they're, they're still 12-4 and to me. And if they win on Sunday, they're 13-4. and uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. And we'll get more to the matchup again with the Baltimore Ravens. But a little look back because I know you go in depth, watch the tape. And a lot of people probably want to talk about the offensive line. Alex Kappa, we don't know when he's going to return. And Zach Taylor wasn't going to say too much in his Monday press conference because they get back to practice on Wednesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. I feel like we'll get more of an idea. I don't expect to see him out there. The semi good news is it looked like he was on a cart in the AFC North celebration photos. Scooter. 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 We don't know what that means. Everyone's like, well, at least he's on a scooter. I'm like, I wish he was just walking without a scooter. But, you know, that's that's semi-good news, I would guess, if I was a doctor. Uh, but who knows? We don't know. We don't know enough. When someone leaves on a cart, I, I never think it's a good thing. So Let me do a quick tier list. Uh, scooter, walking boot, crutches. What's, what's best to worst? I guess wheelchair would probably be the one I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to add one knee brace, put a knee brace. Knee on. brace. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I would say the, I would, you know what? I'll take it back. I'd say the scooter if I was choosing. Cause he's just You're walking or, or not, not walking around, just walking. Scooting, around. scooting around with a cigar. <laughs> well, someone came up to him and someone came up to him in the locker room and they were like, you know, how you feeling or whatever. He's like, we just won the division. I'm feeling great. And you really can't take much from that, but hey, he didn't have anything on his ankle. His shoe was completely off, and you hope for the best news. We do not know if he's going to play on Sunday, but you had a chance to kind of go back and watch the tape. One of the things with offensive linemen, and we've talked about Alex Capaplini, is if you don't hear their name, you know they're doing a great job out there. We don't really hear a lot about Alex Kappa. Even Ted Karras gave him a lot of credit in the locker room. He didn't want to give a timeline on if he thought Alex Kappa would come back. He didn't know a lot about the injury or anything like that and just said, you know, he's done a lot for me to see success out there on the offensive line. Tell us a little bit about Alex Kappa and what that absence is going to look like if he doesn't play. Yeah, so Kappa to me was the best offensive lineman. Um, was he the most consistent? I no, I think Karras is probably the most consistent. I also think Kappa's job is typically his assignments were harder. Karras is a lot of times in pass protection giving help, and Kappa has to set alone against like a Kalias Campbell and do well. And he, he he's done a good job pretty much all year, uh, ups and downs at times, but mostly up. He has a higher ceiling than pretty much everybody else, I think, because of his movement he can generate in the run game as well. But, but yeah, it's kind of like what Karis said where everybody's, you know, they, they love Karis, but Kappa might, you know, he's been the best or better, whatever you want to say, but to me, the best offensive lineman on the team. So that kind of stinks. Um, I'm not sure if I consider it better or worse that both the right side guys went down. Um, like part of me is leaning worse, but you can always give – more help to one side rather than both sides having a leak. So that makes me think like, yeah, there are, there's an argument for it to be not that much. It's not as bad as if the left guard and the right tackle went down, but eh. I think it does kind of stink that there's two guys who probably aren't going to gel right away. We had a lot of discussion about that. We're back where that is. Um, Adenji still a little bit inconsistent getting off that snap count. Some, at times he is the last one out noticeably 
that's probably going to be true with Sharping too. It's just the other guys are so locked in to Joe Burrow's cadence. Obviously, the center's the one snapping the ball, so he's hopefully not the last one out. <laughs> and Joda gets out real good. Um, but, you know, Volson's got Burrow's cadence pretty much locked in. He's getting out there real quick. It's And Kappa was doing that too. It was Adenji that was a little bit slower, and you have to assume just because he hasn't played with him that much that Sharping's also going to be getting out of that stance a little bit slower than Kappa would. But I do think that Sharping in Houston was kind of the high-end backup, low-end starter type. Like this, to me, you're not getting Jackson Carmen out there with uh, a guy with that low of a floor. He could be bad in a game, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's gonna consistently be bad. That's what uh, kind of happened there with Carmen and just a very low floor player. I think this is a little bit higher floor. He's not gonna be Alex Kappa, but can he be? Fine, a stable right guard during this stretch? I think so. I think this is still better than what they had last year on that right side. Much better. Like Adenogy at right tackle looks pretty good. I think he has a case as the best offensive lineman in that game against the Ravens. And if not the best, then I think you could make a very strong case about second best. So I think Adenogy has shown that. At least when they're facing Ravens-level talent, I'm not going to say he can handle a Joey Bosa, but when they're facing a Jason Pierre-Paul type, I think he's shown that he can actually he can handle that. He lost a, a pair of reps, and there might have been a communication-type thing that happened on a rep, but other than that, he was pretty much locked down like that. I was kind of surprised by how good he was. Like I, I expected him to do fine, and I came away thinking, oh, this is actually pretty good. Well, it kind of makes me go back just a little bit. I know they only played nine minutes against the Buffalo Bills, but that whole week was such a toss-up on who was going to start. Well, it was kind of a little surprising when they named Hakeem Adeniji or, or, or Isaiah Prince, and then we're like, well, what about Hakeem Adeniji? We thought he would be the replacement, and I think a lot of people who covered the team thought Hakeem would be. And then Zach Taylor puts out the inactives, and Isaiah Prince wasn't even active for the game, and it came down to really just feeling comfortable at practice of what, what they thought of Hakeem and I'm glad that he got the shot even those nine minutes out there it felt like you know he played pretty well and as you mentioned could be the best offensive lineman from the Ravens game I think the biggest thing is and you brought it up already with the Super Bowl offensive line the playoff offensive line that they had last year look this team has battled more injuries this season than last year but I still feel like they're a better team and that's just credit to the guys, the depth they have, the ones who are stepping up, coaching. Um, you could have told me on October 31st when Cheeto went down that I'm like, I don't know how far this team's going to get this season. They haven't lost since. And that was in, uh, that was Halloween night. We're, we're almost to, I mean, I would love it if they made it all the way to Valentine's Day. I mean, they're playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, but they're they're just rolling right now. And, and it's just a new guy every single time. And even the secondary, um, you know, I'll get to the defensive side in just a moment. But staying with the offensive line. I heard Jake Lisko talk about this. And I think he brings up a really great point when I talk about how this team is better. Do you feel like it's the, you know, how, how Joe Burrow has really evolved this year that has helped with obviously a better offensive line, but even with his right side being down just a tad bit with the starters that they had previously, that Joe Burrow is still good enough to overcome that? Yeah, um, to me, I think Burrow has learned to 
take what the defense gives him better. And I think that has led to him taking less sacks. He's always had good pocket presence and he knows where things are coming from. He usually doesn't get blasted and he had no idea what was happening or he runs into the sack. That doesn't happen that often. Um, which is something you'd be concerned about if you're watching and he's taking all these sacks. So it was a little bit of the offensive line not performing well, but it's also because he was such a big game hunter. He like always wanted that big play, like running back in front of him was invisible on that check down. Like I, I'm going deep <laughs> type, you know, and why not? Yeah, I've got Jamar Chase. I've got T Higgins. I've got all these guys. And when you're facing a defense that isn't preparing for that, you can do that a lot and get away with it. But then you go to the Super Bowl and everybody prepares for you because they're at home watching anyway. And you have extra tape out there, especially these division opponents. Now it turns into, okay, we have to adjust to what they're doing and how they're taking away what we like to do, which they didn't do a great job at first. And then they got better and they ran kind of a different, whole different scheme. They kind of changed everything over the, at least during that eight game run. And I think before that they started changing it, but I think run game started shifting before that passing game shifted after. Um, yeah, just to me, I think he's done a really good job of protecting his offensive line, letting his offensive line uh, not give up sacks when they lose, even not even give up pressures when they lose. Because he's getting, the, he's been doing a great job at staying in what I will call like the the Goldilocks zone, the just right on time. Uh, he's not sped up and he's not holding the ball too long. He's getting that ball out just in time. That helps your offensive line. When your offensive line knows where you'll be and when the ball is coming out, they can protect you much better than when they have no idea. You got to remember those guys don't have eyes in the back of their head. I know sometimes it might seem like that because, you know, the tackle runs this guy right around the outside of the quarterback. That's just because he knows my quarterback's at seven yards. I can take this guy to nine yards and he'll go right around the outside. Uh, that's just something to remember. It's just, you know, they, they these guys, they can't see back there. So when you're consistently getting the ball out at the same place at the same time with these concepts, there's different concepts. So, you know, you've got your quick game, you've got your deep stuff, you've got your play action. But when I run play action, my quarterback is at nine yards and that ball's out in three seconds. When I'm running quick game, he's at six yards and the ball's out in two seconds. Just knowing what you can and can't do. You can be more aggressive if you know your quarterback isn't going to hold the ball in quick game. And they did that a little bit. Um, I thought Jenna Williams did some real aggressive stuff and he didn't get burned as much on that as he did on the deeper sets uh but yeah just overall i thought he's i think he's done a really good job of getting the ball to his checkdowns on time and we saw that with mixon on the big catch and run when you get the ball out to your running back on time with that check down you don't want to be a check down charlie throwing that all the time and always just going right to it that's what's being sped up would be but when you hit it perfectly in time like they took it away they took it away check down that means he's gonna have the ability to catch that ball and run. And I think he's done a really good job of getting that ball out on time, letting his athletes make plays in space. I want to stay with the left side and then we'll get to Joe Boromore in our next segment. You mentioned Jonah Williams. We also got to mention Cordell Volson. How has that duo really started to work over the last few weeks? And is Cordell still keeping up with it as a rookie? Are you seeing um, some concerns over there? Uh, this game was a big concern for Folson for me because I thought the Ravens kind of uh, put the red dot on him, just like uh, we're gonna we're gonna target your rookie left guard and let's see how he performs. And he didn't perform well, uh, but that doesn't mean he's gonna play poorly again this week. It just they isolated Odafe Owe on him 
um, once with a nasty spin move that's going to be seared in my memory of, oh, that guy can do that. <laughs> uh, and he lost other reps that were, you know, to some powerful guys like a Calias Campbell, a Justin Matabike. Can he perform better? Sure. Um, he's probably going to get less help than he did because you could slide away from Kappa fairly consistently knowing I'm going to help Karis will help Volson rather than help Kappa because I know Kappa can hold it down. So he has to step up and play a, a better game, but he can. This was a one of the worst games he's played. I think the two Pittsburgh games stand out as his worst games. Just he did not match up all of Cam Hayward, but it's not a Cam Hayward. Like you're facing some pretty talented guys, but even OA, none of these guys are pass rushers as good as Hayward is. Uh, I thought I, I thought he was kind of clearly the worst offensive lineman, which I see Jonah catching all the heat, which he deserves to. He did not play well either. Um, but I actually thought his, his teammate was his adjacent, his running mate was just slight. He was slightly worse. And it's a concern when both got two guys that you are pretty comfortable with are the ones that are giving up the pressure and giving up the sacks and being the issue. But it also makes me think they could bounce back, especially Jonah, because I think of that week five performance as maybe his best game this year where he dislocates his kneecap and comes back in and still plays really well, find that. And maybe it was the seeing the tape of him playing that game that they wanted to throw some other stuff at him, some extra power, some other, you know, when you watch a guy so often, you can come up with some counters and how you want to attack him. Maybe what they had planned week five didn't work. So watching week five and saying, okay, well we can do this. And it worked. Now Jonah has to have the counter to the counter. And that's the fun of football is that everything is all these, you know, long chains of uh, he does this. So this type thing, but can he come up with the counter to the counter when the Ravens come at him with power and they try to beat him that way, how's he going to react and how's he gonna be able to anchor down, get the hands off of him, protect his chest, everything like that, because I think he can do it. I think he's been inconsistent this year, but, when he plays well, he plays really well. And he had a really good game against this team in week five. So there's there's some confidence that he could perform and do that again. Justice for Jonah. We're doing <laughs> I don't want to make the campaign right now because he had a bad game. So I'm not going to try to cape him <laughs> too much because he played bad too. But I do see him catching all the heat. And I think people like Volson more, so they're not saying anything about him. But Volson, Volson was kind of demonstrably worse as in that game also people need to realize jonah williams is the left tackle next year oh yeah i mean he had his fifth year option picked up you don't cut him you would have just not picked that up no so he will be back next year unless something crazy happens uh but i'm I'm rooting for jonah in the playoffs we'll get to more joe burrow t higgins jamar chase and a look at the defensive side next on it's always game day in cincinnati passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We had a little bit on Joe Burrow, but we're going back to the tape. Joe Burrow told his teammates right after the game, he said in his press conference, I played bad. I'm going to hit those balls next time. I'm never going to miss those. And even Jamar Chase, he had his Instagram live going on. And of course, people are going to pre, they're going to screen record it. And it's going to make social media. But he told Joe, hey, I'm on my Instagram live. And Joe's like, man, I played like crap and use another uh, word. And, and Jamar's like, no, it's cool, man. It's cool. Uh, what did Joe look like? Uh, not good. <laughs> not what I expect, at least. I mean, I don't think it's uh, – I don't think he was terrible, but it was worse than any of the eight games before it. It was probably his worst game since Cleveland. Um, it wasn't good. I mean, he missed balls. He had highlights. Like, if you just watched highlights of this game, you probably thought he played well. He has the multiple evading sack highlights. He has the no-look pass. You know, you just watch the bomb, the chase, and you think, oh, it's fine. Missed that deep post to chase. He got pressured on that. Couldn't fully step into it. Probably could have gone out a tiny bit quicker. Um, And then the other one is uh, he missed that fake screen and go to Higgins. Those were the two huge misses, missed touchdown opportunities. I thought – other than that, he just wasn't as accurate as you'd expect. And I thought he also didn't make the optimal decision each time, which I can usually expect out of him. So I think he's right when he says he didn't play well. No, was this would this be a good game for like a median level quarterback? It'd probably be an okay game for them. When it comes to Joe Burrow, though, this is not a good game because he's an MVP candidate type of quarterback and you expect more. And I, I don't think he strings together two of these games in a row. I know that there could be some idea of, well, this Ravens defense might just have, you know, something to do with this. And there's truth probably to that a little bit. He hasn't played well against the Ravens this season. I also do think while it's overblown a little bit, they didn't show everything that they're going to do. Um, I, I did mention, and I'm still upset that they ran that fake screen and go because, oh man, if it was me and maybe, maybe I'm just, stupid but i would have ran that the first play of this of the wild card game i would have ran that the first play because i feel like you run all those screens you see how they react to it you have the mild worry to me that's like well they're also going to see how they're reacting to that screen but i feel like those guys are gonna be so confident after they've taken down all those screens like oh you're gonna try to run another and then that's when you hit them that corner fell down on the fake screen and go that was trying to cover higgins Oh man, the place would just erupt if they ran that fake streak go for like a 70 yard touchdown on the opening play of the game. It's so annoying because they should have put 40 up. They really should have. Um, yeah. I mean, there was the the Jamar Chase touchdown in the end zone. That that was a Jamar Chase. Not not I wouldn't blame that all on Joe Burrow, but the T Higgins, I agree. I oh, think yeah, they- the, the other Jamar Chase that he kind of dropped. It was a hard yeah. catch. Yeah, and yeah, 100%. It wasn't easy, but it's Jamar Chase. And the deep ball to T on the right side, which T didn't reel in. Yeah, I mean, everybody didn't play that well. That's, that's I think, the, the gist of it. But you have to think, and obviously I'm not using excuses because the Bills went out there and then they won their game against the Patriots. It's just been an odd week. 
Um, yeah. You know, you have the Monday Night Football stuff. Joe talked to the media on Wednesday, said it really hasn't game plan until today when they walked into the building. Um, so it just kind of felt like an odd week, to be completely honest with you. Go from Monday Night Football to um, Sunday, not saying they played the whole game, but still just something to keep an eye on. And I'm glad they actually got that game in this weekend because you want that before you go in the playoffs um, just to kind of get back out there again. And, um, yeah, I think everybody overall on the offensive side of the ball could play better. What did you think of the run game? Run game was fascinating to me. I don't know. It wasn't really good, but it was fascinating because they ran things they've never run before. And you think of the offenses, vanilla, when you talk about the passing offense, which we could talk about that in a little bit. I don't know about vanilla so much, but I have a take on it. Uh, but the run game was fascinating because I have no idea why they ran one of my favorite concepts that I've never seen them run in my life. Uh, it's called crunch and it's combining wham and trap together. So the tight end, you leave the tackle, the tight end blocks him, you leave an a, a end, the guard, I think you actually leave both tackles, and the tight end wham blocks one, the guard blocks the other tackle, and then you go to the second level. They actually kind of messed it up a little bit, but it didn't matter <laughs> uh, because it still got like seven yards because it just worked. Um, but it was like they ran that from pistol too. I've never seen them run pistol either. So it was like a double whammy of like, Okay. And they didn't look bad. Like it looked like they practiced it. It wasn't like they just went out there and like, Hey, let's just put this on tape. It was like a, they look pretty good running it. Like the, like maybe they're going to try that again at some point. Let's see how the defense reacts when we do this type of thing. And they worked really well. They also ran tackle power where they pulled the tackle instead of the guard. And it wasn't like an Adenogy versus Collins type thing. They pulled from the left side. So it was Jonah instead of Volson. They've pulled Volson on power a lot this year. Like every time they run power, it's to the right side with Volson pulling. So it was fascinating that um, Jonah was the one who pulled on that. And that was another good gainer. Then other than that, they did do the kind of more vanilla some wide zone stuff that they haven't really done that much, but I was just fascinated by a few plays because I was like, they they've never run this. Like, what is this? Is this just like a knuckleball to just completely throw them off? Like, what are you doing? We watched every snap of the run game and you didn't do this play. Oh, uh, I need to know the Samaj P run Lee. Was it, was it really holding? Oh, ticky tacky call. Like I, I, I could see it because I think, it was one of those he there's a little bit of separation and you could see the hands on the jersey which is legal yeah nobody ever calls just because you have hands on jersey um it's it's when it gets pulled and he ends up pancaking him into the ground and you can see hands on jersey so i think ref just sees the space between them he sees the guy go to the ground and he just throws the flag to me not holding i thought that was i thought it was a good block and it was actually it wasn't so much a pancake although he did finish him as that player tried to dive and make the tackle and when you are blocking a guy and they kind of just suddenly dive and try to make a tackle you might see slight jersey pull um so not holding to me but i don't think it was an egregious call like it wasn't like I can't believe they did that. Uh, like I've seen some of those where a guy gets pancaked and then they call holding. You're just like, that was just a good block guy. <laughs> this one was a good block, but I could see why it was called. We'll go to the passing game. Uh, T Higgins, Jamar Chase out there. What did you think overall from the two wide receivers? And then I'm going to get to a little more with, with Chase and Roquan Smith too. Yeah, I, I thought the wide receivers didn't play that great. I thought Chase played better than Higgins. Higgins, to me, seemed kind of not fully in 
in there. I don't know if it was the hits he took or if it was just, you know, that I'm sure what happened with Hamlin affects him more than anybody else because of being the guy who, you know, yeah. was there that got tackled. Um, but as much as he could say he's fine, I, I don't know. I, I did think he looked a little bit out of it. Um, I also do think that the Bengals passing offense was to me, they ran stuff they haven't run in weeks. And I think the, the hypothesis I've put together is they ran the passing offense from weeks one through five. And that would include the Ravens game where they didn't pass the ball that well, but they ran a, a Zeus concept, which is a deep out from the slot and a short in from the outside. They haven't run that since like week four. They ran Haas Juke a whole bunch. They haven't run that since, I don't know. It's been a while too. I, I'll just say like week four or five. Um, they, I think they've run that one a little bit since then, but they haven't run it like like that. And they still got to some of the stuff they're going to do and they have done just general concepts that everybody in the NFL runs. Your slant flat dragon, your double slant lion concept, your stick, even got the stick nod. Um, but for the most part, it felt to me like the weeks one through five passing offense. I didn't see drive levels, um, sale, uh, just a lot of the stuff I've come to expect as the Bengals passing offense didn't see it in that game. So I think that's when you hear all the guys talking about, we called, we had the Ravens in mind for next week and didn't want to show everything. I think that's some of it. And they probably know that stuff could be coming because they're going to watch film of the past eight games. You don't just watch your two games and go, man, we did a good job. Uh, but uh, you watch the the other games too, where a defense might not have done a good job and you'll see that they get to that, but it's not just the coaches knowing what's going to happen, but it's also the players reacting to what they see on the field. So when you don't, you haven't shown them your staple, your new staple concepts, they're going to have to react to it live, even if they know what they are. So did the other seven teams in the past seven weeks. They knew what was coming and they didn't stop it. And I think there's also still more growth coming because these, the Ravens like the Bills, like to play a lot of quarters. And what's the the first touchdown in that Bills game was a, um, a Mills concept with chase on the inside Boyd on the outside. And that post is uh, the post against quarters is just a good thing to run in general, if you can occupy that safety. So I think they might get to that. We'll see. Um, but that, that it was just, it was to me, it wasn't so much vanilla as in they didn't run anything. All those screens too. Uh, that was just to set up the fake screen and go and they missed and they blew it. Uh, but eh, Maybe you still get away with it. They were still playing aggressive on those screens after that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was interesting because it felt like they limited their playbook to the the first half of the year passing offense rather than having the whole menu open. I'd love to be in those meetings this week to see what they're uh, they're going over for, for this playoff game because I feel like we're going to see things we haven't seen yet in regular season against a really good Ravens defense. I mean, I know we talked about it on the podcast on Sunday, but yeah, they rested a few starters on offense. They're still legit defense, and it's still going to be a tough game when you face them in the first round despite not knowing who the quarterback's going to be. But I'm going to stay with the wide receiver group. Jamar Chase, Rokon Smith. Obviously, a big day for Smith getting that contract extension. It's very telling. I, I wonder. Played really well. He did 100% played well. Played well. And honestly, good for the Ravens to pick him up. Not a huge fan of him being in the AFC North, <laughs> but hey, 
that's just what it is when you're in the AFC North. You got some tough defenses that uh, Joe Burrow is going to have to go against for a while. Makes you question, hey, what are you, what are you doing with uh, Lamar? Even though Lamar, I feel like he gave a, a supportive tweet out today for the contract. Um, I want to stay with this situation because I heard on the postgame podcast, and I don't remember if it was Paul Dane or Jay Morrison, but they went up to Jamar Chase after the game because there was a lot of talk about the end zone after Jamar got up. Smith came over and just kind of did an extra like little, 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 uh, what would you call it? A bump? Bump. Little bump. Shoulder bump. Shoulder check. I don't know. Little bump. You know, maybe some replay after Tyler Boyd went down and a little football over to Jamar Chase. That was a lot of petty. A lot of petty. I would describe it as. I wouldn't describe it as dirty. I think people call it dirty, but to me it was more petty and kind of trying to get in his head. So this is where I'm giving Jamar credit. Obviously, he can play better, and I really think we're going to see it again this weekend. He was, as you mentioned, the better receiver out there. Credit to Jamar Chase because he kept his composure when all of that happened and just moved away. And, and one of the reporters asked him after the game, you know, what was going on there? He took a he took his cigar, took a big old um, puff of it, and just and he, that's all he had to say when they when they asked him about Roquan Smith. And he was like, they're like, did you know? Did you want to say anything? Did you want to do anything? And he's like. Yeah. And they're like, what do you want to do, do, do to him? And he's like, I can't tell you. And just kept it all in and just went about his way. And I can just appreciate that because, yes, you know, this guy is fun to watch in the league. He's still young and he's a really mature guy when he's out there. And I, I can just appreciate it from from Jamar Chase, because like you mentioned, that guy was just trying to get in his head a little bit and he's going to do it again on Sunday. And Jamar just walked away from all of it. And I can just appreciate all that because. They're going to keep doing that. To me, the bigger deal with what Smith was doing wasn't the petty stuff, but they would blow the whistle on like forward progress and stuff. And he just still body slam the guy. And I was just like, Oh man, that's uh that, 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 that's too much, but Hey, whatever. It made me nervous about just like watching that game as like, this game doesn't really matter. Why what's going on. And then you see him body slam. I'm just like, Leave him alone. Save it for the playoff game, you know. <laughs> and probably gonna do it again this week. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can. It's different ref crew. Maybe they'll have a tighter whistle. I do think the last one was pretty loose about all that stuff. But uh, yeah, that he played well. It's hard to say, you know, whatever about him when he plays well. It's not like he's a bum out there and doing all that. He's he's confident. He's cocky. Jason's uh, too, but. Uh, he uh, does a little, little extracurricular. You just don't like it in your head. Chase, good job. Good job. I want to do something, but I'm not going to because of the team. Now they're up thirty. <laughs> Chase is probably pulled, but I think maybe that's what you. Oh yeah, he's probably. not out there. He's not out there. But I, here's your revenge. Just get a touchdown on him. Just get another couple touchdowns on him. Be like, just walk yeah. right away. I got it. But you mentioned the officials, and I don't know if I told you this. They were actually the same officials from the Super Bowl. Yeah, you mentioned and, that. Yeah, and so one of them. They let uh, stuff go other than, I guess, that Logan Wilson hold. I mean, well, we've seen this before. Um, but I joked with one of them because they were really close to where my family season tickets are. And I said, uh, did you see what happened with that Logan Wilson call in the Super Bowl? And he just smiled. So that's all we got from Is that. Is that the one that stole the quarter? No, it was a different one. It was a different guy. I didn't keep track of their numbers, but he just smiled. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, we're never getting an answer on that. Uh, Did you, sorry. Did you hear Joe Mixon paid $100 for that quarter? What are you? Why? They didn't have a quarter. 
and he asked one of the <laughs> I don't remember if it was like a, a, a low level trainer or something like one of the assistant trainers or something but he got a quarter from some assistant and he gave him like Venmoed him a hundred dollars or something like that well I'm glad I'm glad that trainer got a hundred dollars but that is insane you could have found a quarter somewhere and pay oh he could have just he he does the catch in the stands right yeah just yell out everybody got a quarter uh, the fans would go electric probably too because they know what's happening <laughs> it was well done it was well done and chad johnson said he's going to pay the fine chad bought a ticket for the playoff game this week and he is sitting in the stadium instead of it should be him and hoosh as the rule of the general right it's going to be pretty cool can't wait for that and obviously we'll get to more of uh what ravens bengals wild card playoff on sunday night football looks like let's flip to the defensive side next on it's always game day in cincinnati Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. All right, let's talk defense. I feel like his name is really picking up steam right now. January Jesse, go ahead and print the shirts. Make sure our podcast gets the money from that. Uh, what what are our guy Jesse look like? And uh, he, he's getting paid this offseason, correct? Not by us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially if he puts together a run similar to last year and plays at the same level he played in that week 18 game. I thought he was the best defender. I thought he was the best defender on the field. I thought um, consistent. He was very consistent. Now, Anthony Brown probably can't stress you vertically the same way other quarterbacks can. He's a third string guy, but he was always in the right position. And then I thought his strip was huge because admit it or not, that was putting the Ravens into kind of getting in the nervous territory because I think it was a two score game at the moment, uh, Sammy Watkins makes a big catch, runs down the field, and Cam Taylor Britt kind of holds him up. I called it Bell. I guess it was Britt. Um, and Bates rips the ball out, and Bell recovers. So I, I that that strip was huge to me because it took away one of the only scoring opportunities that that offense generated for itself. And to me, I was just like, okay, you've got that strip. You've got the interception, which is kind of thrown to him, but he also did a good job. It was, he wasn't just standing there the entire time. He moved with the route. He was getting in good position to make the tackle if it got thrown to him, but then sees the ball is just flying right to him so he can catch it. Um, Want to see some better running after the catch there or just to go down right away. I was actually rooting for him to go down right away in that game. You don't need to return that. Uh, but he also did a good job fitting the run and doing some of the, the little things. You know, the, the stuff that doesn't, it shows up on the stat sheet as tackles and stuff like that, but it's not the splash plays. He did a good job doing all of this, 
doing everything that's asked of him and not just making a few splash plays and nothing else. So I was really impressed by him. I thought he was the best defender on the field. Uh, and that includes uh, a two sack game from Trey Hendrickson. Can we talk about Trey Hendrickson? It's unbelievable. I know the broken wrist and I know guys are playing with injuries. Nobody's hundred percent right now, 18 snaps and he had himself a game. Yeah. Two sacks, four pressures against one of the best left tackles in the league. Good job. <laughs> 18 snaps. I'm sure I'm, I remember it was a lot of pass rushing snaps it, it wasn't like he only played 18 random snaps like they're okay, using okay. them smart and selectively but to do that is still really impressive yeah I, I would love to know what and we've mentioned it before you're playing with that pain and I just want to know what it feels like before the game if he can feel his wrist at that point after the after the shot yeah, because I've never broken a I've never broken a bone before in my life, so I don't know what that feels like. What about you? I've never broken a bone. I have ligament injury history, and I dislocated my pinky. That one was fun, um, just to completely sidetrack. But yeah, I played That's offensive line. Fun. I played offensive line. I hit a guy, and I didn't feel anything. I went back to the huddle, and we used to hold hands. And I went to grab my center's hand. I was left guard, and he just screams. He's like, "Your finger's going backwards!" <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" And then I felt a burning through my hand, and I had no idea what to do. I called timeout, got yelled about that. <laughs> I was just like, my finger's backwards. And the, like, 80-year-old trainer just snaps it into place and tells me to go back out there. I was like, okay. And little do I know. <laughs> thing's not really set. I went to hit somebody right after that, and the finger's backwards again. I went, oh, no. <laughs> you had a little so Anthony Munoz pinky going I, on. It's not that bad, though. You know, it goes back a little bit further, but it's not that bad. Um, yeah, I, I dislocated that pinky probably like a dozen times during that game because I was stupid and kept hitting people with the hand right there. So it would keep going straight backwards and I just started snapping it into place. So honestly, a miracle, it isn't that bad looking. Oh my goodness. What a story. What a story. That sounds worse than a broken bone right now. So I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're okay. Glad you could do this podcast tonight, uh, from that injury years ago. Yeah, this happened 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, but still. <laughs> But still, I mean, we're, we're glad you're we're glad you're here and good to go. Um, but we're going to continue this with Joseph Asai, pro football talk. I know how we feel about the grading, but he was one of the highest greatest graded football defense. focus. Or is Mike Florio oh, grading guys now? I can't believe I said pro football focus <laughs> in the world. Uh, sorry. Oh, now I feel terrible to pro football focus. I, I feel absolutely. Oh, say what you will about Mike Florio, but he has a good grading system. <laughs> forgive me. Forgive me. I will never. I, here's one of my number one rules in life never, ever, ever click on a Mike Florio article. Have I retweeted I, it? 100% quote tweeted 100%. Oh, it's funny. I, I not Mike Florio article when he breaks news. Sometimes I, I, I retweet it. And then I went, I don't want to retweet him. And I go find somebody else. It's actually really funny. There's um, I think it's Adrian Wojnarowski. You can notice whenever um, the reporter Shams beats him to a scoop, he won't retweet Shams. He'll find some other guy and retweet it. And that's me with uh, pro football talk where it's like, Oh, Mike Florio is breaking news. Let's go find somebody else who said this. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And if I ever quote to him, it's to make fun of whatever he said in his tweet uh, because he's absolutely brutal. But we'll stay with the first PFF. Uh, their highest graded defenders and Joseph Asai made that list. What did you think of Joseph Asai? Played really well. It was almost like you didn't notice the 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 snaps Trey Hendrickson was off. Like every, I think everybody thought Trey Hendrickson played more snaps than he did because mm -hmm. Joseph Osai stepped up and Cam Sample stepped up a little bit too. Uh, he had the little injury 
Um, but yeah, I thought Joseph Osai played well, and they moved him inside at times. They had him on the outside on a few plays um, actually with Hendrickson rushing. So it was really interesting that uh, I thought this was one of his better games and came at perfect time. String another together. Uh, <laughs> left guard was the starter. It was the right guard that was um, the backup, and he beat the left guard. He also beat a tight end, but he beat the left guard, and I was like, okay, well, that translates because that's still a starting player. Yeah. On the defensive side of ball, when you went back to watch the tape, anything else really, really stand out for you? I don't think the defense held back the same way the offense may have. Um, they got to some of their in the, their wrinkles and stuff. Now, this is also just because the offense has changed. This defense is still the defense it was last year, year before, really, and this season. So there wasn't some big change on defense but they kind of ran the same stuff and they kind of ran their stuff. That's been really effective that, you know, just, they weren't really holding back on that in that area. Um, I thought it was, I thought DJ reader versus Tyler Linderbaum was a good battle. I think, I think uh reader came out on top. Linderbaum got a few plays on him though. And it was actually, he was probably the second stiffest competition readers faced, even though I think reader won. I just think he gave him, you know, Gave him a good fight. Uh, Creed Humphrey is the guy that I think gives him the best fight and he's done it a few times now. Uh, but in the last thing on defense, well, Jermaine Platt, Jermaine Platt, Jermaine Pratt played really well. Uh, I think Sam Hubbard was very welcome back. I thought he did a good job. The one thing that wasn't really a positive was I was kind of surprised Trey Flowers didn't play better against Isaiah Likely. Mm -hmm. uh, Likely went over 100 yards and Flowers also had that holding call on likely when he got beat. So I was kind of surprised by that. And uh, I think Dax Hill also lost a rep to Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely is a dude. He like, is. Really good rookie tight end. I wish the Bengals took him. Um, I really liked him in the draft too. Uh, but I, I think that I've seen Trey Flowers hang with Travis Kelsey at times. So it was kind of surprising to see him not hang with Isaiah Likely. Also, weirdly, I haven't seen this that often. Maybe it's just a weird thing. Bengals field, a lot of guys are slipping. And that was kind of surprising to me because I've watched a lot of Bengals December, January games in probably worse weather conditions. And guys weren't slipping as much as they did. Adenji slipped, Flowers slipped, Hill slipped. Um, there were some Ravens players that slipped. It was just kind of surprising you could notice that uh, the field had an effect. Yeah, and that's wild because they were calling for rain before the game and it didn't even rain. So that's, that's a little surprising. I'm going to say with something you brought up with this defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to ask you what you think is going to happen. We're playing, you know, the magic eight ball here when it comes to the playoffs. Not saying when the Bengals are going to lose their first game in the playoffs, and hopefully it's not on Sunday. Never. But who, do you, who do you think is going to play better when you think of the different units or just offensive defense side of the ball in the playoffs this year Ooh. man you it's want you want to say offense you want to but i think i'm gonna go defense okay i got a lot of faith i got a lot of faith in lou anarumo in this unit i don't think they i think they're consistent i think that's the big difference they do a really really good job matching up with teams do taking away what they like to do making them work the hard way to get their yards and points you can think of the second half against the chiefs in the afc championship game you can think of what they did to the titans what they have done to the ravens in the past even what they did in that super bowl they did a really good super bowl multiple takeaways 
slowed the Rams down for the most part that entire game. The offense just didn't put up enough points to win the game. Um, and the last drive, whatever. But before that, they they did a really good job. So I, I think the defense can consistently do a really good job. I'm not sure the offense will consistently play at that same level. You might get a game or two, hopefully just one, hopefully none. But I feel more confident each game that the defense is going to perform at a high level, even though the offense has the star power and everything. I do think the Kappa injury could make things rough when you face like a Chris Jones or if you do face the Eagles and you face Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox together, I think that could give you some issues. I'm not sure if it gives you too many issues against the Ravens or the Bills, but yeah, I think there are teams that could take advantage of that. Um, yeah, I'll go defense. What do you think? I will go defense, but I really want to go offense. I really do. Have and you noticed uh, my my take? Sorry to interrupt, but my take that Luana Rumo is not going to be the high, hottest head coaching candidate. We it's talked about this on the podcast a couple days ago. Were you not listening? I was, but like it's become more of a thing because all these guys keep getting interviews. Guys are getting released, and even the bet online odds or whatever place you use, whatever sports book you're looking at, they're not even like listed. Um, I'm totally fine with that. Sorry, Lou. We, we, uh, we really appreciate you in Cincinnati. We're not ready to, to lose you. I just you... wanted to do a victory lap. Well, I can't do a victory lap because I did a victory lap a couple of days ago. <laughs> you can do victory Four lap. laps in a mile. You know what? I, I'm sure all Bengals fans would like you to take a victory lap on Lou staying in Cincinnati every single podcast. So yes, 100%. I love it. Uh, I, we're not, we're not hearing his name as much. And again, disclaimer, we want Lou to get the opportunity, but we'd yes. rather him stay here. I'm also going to flip it here. I'm taking Cincinnati and the Ravens out because we will talk about that game on Thursday. But this weekend, wildcard weekend, who is more likely to get upset besides the Ravens-Bengals game? Because I would jinx it if I say, and I just want to get involved in that. But any other team, NFC, AFC? Um, Sorry to the Scolgers that follow me, but the Vikings are playing a team that they beat on a last-second field goal. I could see them getting upset. Uh, also, Cowboys are playing terrible football, and it's Tom Brady. Always got to just throw that in there. Also, think the Chargers could get upset. I know they're road favorites. That one is more so because I have no idea why Brandon Staley played all, like all of his starters, and now Bosa got a little bit banged up, and Mike Williams couldn't walk. And uh, if Mike Williams can't play, I could definitely see the Jaguars pulling that upset. Yeah, I'm going to definitely copy you on Tampa winning round one. I just don't believe in the Cowboys. I'd never do in the playoffs. It's not my favorite, though. Like, I do think the Cowboys are just better. Like, I think they'll probably win that game, but they're on the upset watch for me. Like, I think the other two games, I'm more inclined to think that the underdog could win. My other one. We we talk about underdog. I'm selfish. I like home games. I would hope the Bengals could beat the Baltimore Ravens. Was this like the Dolphins? You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. It's no shot. Divisional I don't think two will I mean, crazier things have happened. And where did Skylar Thompson even go to college? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's you? This guy you're rooting for? <laughs> you know anything? Could you pick him out if I if I sent you three pictures of, of no, different I guys? I really couldn't. I don't even know what number he is. Um, <laughs> But, but what a big, Kansas State. But what a big career win for him to win in the playoffs. So he could be Joe Flacco. He could be Josh Allen. He would have he would have more playoff wins than Andy Dalton. That would be so sad. Oh my god. Um, 
it's definitely not going to happen. It's just, it's impossible for it to happen. But I mean, I am here for that. And what's awesome about it is that game's at one o'clock. Could you imagine going? You know why it's at one o'clock, right? Because the Dolphins are going to get killed. They're going the Bengals got the best game they got the best night I mean honestly I know Monday night football is cool and everything like that but Sunday night football is I know we complained a little bit about Sunday night that's regular season postseason I'll take Sunday I love it because I have Monday off so I'm all about it um we love that we love Sunday night football yeah Sunday night right before MLK day we love it we we absolutely love it It falls on a perfect perfect weekend uh but no I mean it no, but true staying up. It's staying up. I was gonna say I was gonna stay up until the Bengals lose, but then they could lose this weekend and I don't want to take it down yet. So um I'm gonna keep it up. That's not my prediction because I'm currently with my all Bengals picks, I am 12 and four on the season because I picked the Bengals to win every single week. Yeah. And we're we're not counting the Bills game, but I'm 12 and four. I know what everybody else is gonna do. They did it last year to me. Mm-hmm. You're all just gonna keep picking the Bengals because you lose one game. Who cares? Why? We're in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm joining you this time. Ooh, you should. You should. That maybe maybe that'll get them to the to the championship. So I'm I'm all well, about. They got it. there last time. They could beat every team in the AFC. Oh, absolutely. I picked them to be the Super Bowl winners. Like this isn't me switching. Last year I was kind of surprised they beat the Chiefs, um, but this year I would probably pick them to beat the Chiefs. Were there moments this season early on, maybe September and October, where you're like, this team isn't going to the Super Bowl? <laughs> They're bad. Yeah, I think right after the Browns uh, Monday Night Football game, we both were there. We were like, can they make the playoffs still? The Ravens had like three times the odds to win the division. And you're like, well, if they lose to the Panthers, <laughs> that, that type was of depressing. That was depressing. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you lose Cheeto that night. And then if someone would have just told us on the podcast, they were going to go out and win eight straight games and win the AFC North. I'd have been like, everything's going to be fine. Uh, but we didn't know that. But, yeah, no, it's it's exciting. I can't wait to talk uh, Baltimore and Bengals for Sunday Night Football. Week, at, week number one, wild, they call it Super Weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend, whatever. It's going to be fun. I can't wait for the game. Uh, what's up on all Bengals this week? I am doing something. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a film review. I... Part of me wanted to go back and watch Max Sharping in Houston, but then I'm like, that might be too, too. I don't want to bite off more than I can chew because I have no videos on this guy and I'd have to just watch it all cold and write all of that tonight. It's eight o'clock already. Yeah. Uh, so it'll probably be something related to the game. And maybe it'll just be a quicker article about what I thought the Bengals offense showed and what they held back. Um, and then we'll save it for the next episode but i'll probably be doing a preview um article as well later in the week preview article on thursday nothing ever changes we love that we can't wait to read it all Bengals. make sure you follow them Bengals underscore sands a lot of good clubs from this past game you can follow me at lnds patterson thanks for listening we'll be back later this week on it's always game day in cincinnati